and welcome to 10,000 Posters, the show about how everything is posting. Uh, my name is Hussain. You can follow me at hkizvani on twitter.com. I, um, I, I do takes. Uh, a lot of them are kind of very milquetoast these days as I'm getting older. Um, this is an episode where Phoebe is not on. She is on holiday. Uh, which means that which means that it's just me. And because I, I've had this rare opportunity to um to institute the dudes chat. So while she's away, we're just gonna have like a guys only, guys only Rogan style conversation. Who else who else better to like do this with than a good friend of the show, Clive Martin? Hey, how's it going? Uh good to good to have you back, man. Yeah. Uh we're gonna talk about like nootropics, we're gonna talk about like why it's why it's like fine to have uh, like just you should do ice buffs like to be alpha and chat. Yeah, um, Yep, you know. I don't really know what Rogan like talks about these days. Um, there uh, seems to be this period of time where like lots of people were sort of keeping up with Rogan for me. So every like fucking batshit conspiracy theory he was like peddling or like intrigued in, I would kind of know without having to listen to the show. And I think this like sort of fluctuates because those moments of time kind of emerge. And, um, you know, I, I think like the influence of Rogan is sort of overstated, but then you just like, don't hear any, like, don't hear what happens after that. And I just wonder whether it's like part of a media strategy where like, in order to kind of like chill, you know, in, in order to kind of like cool the climate, you just get a bunch of MMA guys on for like a while and yeah, then yeah. it'll sort of go back to like, you know, the, the real, the real heads. Yeah. Almost like, um, uh, what do farmers call it? You know, when they have let, let the field, um, let the field just kind of sit for a bit. Just gonna play it cool, you know. I mean, look, you live in the countryside, uh, <laughs> so, that, yeah. so you should know that. I'm, I'm, I'm a metropolitan city boy. Uh, you know. Hi, I've got a degree in plant biology, and my parents have a farm. Uh, it's called Fallow. Thank you. The, uh, yeah. the, the only, the only farms I know are the ones that I see when I take the train to other cities. Um, yeah. How, how, how's everything going, Clive? Since the last time you came on, how, how are you enjoying Jubilee weekend? It's the first day of the of the Queen's Jubilee. Do you know what? Um, I've- I've got the the, like, the most vibeless Jubilee weekend possible. I've got loads and loads of work on, loads of like really <laughs> really boring copywriting. Um, so I've just been like, yeah, I did a post about it this morning. Just said like I've been sitting in the dark, basically, because it's really hot as well. Yeah, so I've been sort of sitting in the dark, listening to ambient techno, just sort of like moving commas around in um, sort yeah. of com- commercial brochures. So that's uh, about as unpatriotic as it gets, perhaps. Yeah, or or patriotic because um, you know you're working and you're like you know the, the economy is in a bad place, so they kind of need people to be working as much as they can. Yeah, I'm um, a. Um, so, what, what are they calling during COVID? Uh, the key key vital service workers, or yeah, like you're, yeah, yeah, you're 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 a key service worker. Um, the world, yeah, like you know, we do need more copywriting. We do need more um polished uh polished writing. I don't actually even mean that sort of ironically. I I wrote something like a while ago, which was like sort of a half baked thought about how. LinkedIn writing is sort of just like breaking out everywhere and it's sort of creating this kind of like new uniform style of com- like of kind of communication which is extremely sterile and the fact that like all the tech guys who like are kind of advancing like the web free bullshit are really into that type of writing yeah. uh it's kind of scary so we need yeah so i think like um i i think i i think copywriters um uh, I, I would I, I, I would do an extra couple of claps for our copywriters if that yeah. ever came back. Clap for your copywriters. That's right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. yeah every every Thursday, uh, every Thursday, 8 p.m. Clap for your copywriters. No, Clive, is, uh, is, it's great to have you back. Um, we really appreciate it. Uh, and we really appreciate you taking uh, taking time out during the Queen's Jubilee to mm-hmm. uh, to talk about what what's important, which is posts. Um, now, look. Uh, when we were sort of chatting, uh, I, I asked you, as I routinely do to guess, Clive, uh, is there a post you'd like to talk about? And you sent me something kind of amazing. Um, it's more, it's, this is less a post, but it's more an account. Mm. Um, and I have seen this account before, but like, I never, I, I didn't pay enough attention to it to sort of like add it to a show. But I also think that you could probably explain who this guy is much better. So his at is Essex PR, which I think is a great at. I think it's, it's yeah. brilliant. Um, I love it. Yeah. His name is Adam Brooks. Uh, he's a uh, uh, publican, social commentator. He is on the Dan Wooten Tonight Show on GB News. Uh, and he is a campaigner for um, the Together Association, which is... So I uh, I don't know what it is. Um, yeah, it's like um, nightlife. Vaccine pass- is, is it, it's a va- it's an anti-vaccine passport. Like, at- yeah, it- essentially. But yeah, it, under the guise of kind of protecting the uh, the nightlife industries, as they call them. Sure. Uh, okay. So like, yeah. so like, yeah. Tell tell us about Essex PR and like 
um, you, you, you sent me like a snippet of the backstory and I was hooked. So I just, I want to hear everything. So he's kind of a fascinating figure. Um, the thing about him is he very much like rose to prominence during lockdown where, you know, his pubs were shut and stuff. And he, he sort of, um, you know, he became this figure that we know today. But he before that, he's got like a, he's one of those people who's got a massive digital footprint, possibly mm. because he, he worked in PR to some extent. Uh, he's kind of like Towie adjacent, I would say. I mean, he's, he lives in Essex and he's very, very Essex in a lot of ways. Um, he uh, he's in his sort of early 40s. He wears a lot of like tight cardigans. Yeah. Um, and during lockdown, he, he I mean, he didn't go full on, you know, sort of like quacky anti-vax you know he was anti-vax doing passports and my vaccine status is none of your business thank you very much mm. that was his sort of thing but moreover i'm interested in he's got he's doing this thing and the gb news seems to be like the latest summit of this this kind of like every man like king of common sense kind of like you know like mr smith goes to washington i'm just the little guy taking on uh you know these big um you know the government and these corporations but he does it with this kind of like black cab driver sort of like, you know, world's gone mad sort of thing. And he posts all day, every day about, mm. you know, he's got like, he's got his business accounts as well, which he retweets. So he runs two pubs in Essex. Um, and he just, he gets really, really rattled really easily. He engages in every bit of culture war, every, yeah. like every scare story about something like you know the woke left are doing he calls yeah. for it hook line and sinker that he did yeah. one the other day where um there was a piece and it was just some you know just based on some total nonsense science report saying like um well not nonsense but just some really speculative thing just saying like oh yeah well in as you know the you know meat is worse for you know meat's bad for the climate and all that he said you, someone this some really obscure report that got picked up in one of the papers said we could move to meat me, me, move to uh, eating insects instead and he he did like a poll saying, "Would mm. you let your children eat insects in their school lunches?" Right, <laughs> just stuff like that. Yeah, um, he's got a, a you know he's got a massive ego, but he's also kind of um, strangely likable. I, I think what I kind of like that as you mentioned that it's a great it's a great app, uh, Essex PR. There's something about that combination of words that like I think yeah, I imagine it like sends chills down like the spine of liberal Britain. You know, he's yeah. He's, yeah. I mean, I also kind of imagine there are a lot of PR people who do work in Essex and who do or who do live in Essex. Yeah, right? but he's his his oeuvre is like you know like Towie football ex footballers mm. um, stuff like that. I'm not exactly sure what his PR career really is. I guess like restaurants stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean he seems to be mainly a publican uh, and he's kept the app. But um, yeah, he's become this like really fascinating figure that's got a bit of a cult reputation. Um, really a really online guy but also completely offline in a lot of yeah. ways um uh, uh, yeah. there's, there's a fun post that i found um which is just like one of the examples that uh like the recent one so he says uh so he posts this picture of like some kind of like scuffed up stan smiths um yeah and then he writes my dog walking trainers the funny thing is there are quote quotation marks fashionistas that actually spend a fortune on trainers that look this bad. The world's gone mad and don't get me onto the 500 pound plus trainers that look like a hybrid between corrective shoes and hiking boots. Um, and he posts like the second picture, one of like some sort of like, you know, they're, they're kind of like scuffed up, you know, scuffed up like, you know, Gucci's and yeah, uh, yeah. Converse, like Converse's and stuff. And yeah, like, you know, um, it, it's a very... It, it, it's 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 a very sort of like milk toast opinion it's also just like a very it's a very sort of like dad opinion yeah big time um, it's an in, opinion you could hear parroted all over the country anywhere every golf club in the country just like yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's another one that he's done uh he did one he did one today it was like uh so so even even on the queen's jubilee well i guess on the queen's jubilee it's like the perfect way to like sort of get yourself into multiple culture wars he says off to the app free cults for pie and mash uh of the free cults as a pub yeah um is that middle class uh and many ads like two other gb news like hosts with like the sort of uh laughing with like a uh, drop of sweat emoji and he's like post these pictures of like these fairly generic looking like you know pub pies uh yeah, yeah um see this thing the thing it like when i when i was looking at this guy's account the it, it wasn't like we, we sometimes we talk about posters who are like truly like insane or like 
posters who really sort you know the reason why they feature on the show is because like they have seen the mark and they've sort of like shot it off by like a mile or they've mm-hmm. like just done this massive leap and the thing about this guy is that he doesn't like these are sort of quite generic opinions and what's really interesting about that is um you know so he's like a regular on the dan mutton show and i imagine that like no one really knew what he was until like the sort of zenith of the culture wars. And one mm. thing I find really fascinating is just the whole like media pipeline, like the, the, the very easy way that you can kind of become a talking head. Yeah. Um, especially on like right wing news outlets and crucially on like right wing news outlets like GB News, who are at this point desperate to get people on. There is sort of like a tried and tested approach that you can see in like playing out in real time um where these people who are like as you mentioned like they're kind of you know they might have like somewhat like you know right-wing opinions or but like they're not really that different or like that deranged like or that like deviant from like mainstream kind of you know culturally right-wing opinions but as they sort of like continue posting and crucially as they keep on getting feedback their posts kind of become more frequent and then the visibility rises, which then kind of, and you can see them sort of like be molded into these like types of commentators. Yeah. Um, one post that you sent me that he did a couple of days ago, which was a very simple one, but is very, very funny. Um, May 28th, he writes, imagine this offending you, dot, dot, dot. And then he has like a union flag uh, emoji. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like- <laughs> He he's really like just sort of bought into so many of these sort of like yeah just sort of like dad ideas that there are people who are offended by the Union <laughs> Jack, not people who've got like you know questions about it or whatever. People, it's like I I don't know, it's, yeah, that's such a you know it's like the kind of you know like they'll put you in jail for saying you're English kind of thing. Like he definitely mm. he really kind of believes in that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's interesting what you're saying about this uh, the the pipeline of um of fame there because there's a moment where you a lot of these people you see them um. They they appear in their real form, i.e., right. they end up on TV. Yeah, like they, they they jump off the page at you, and suddenly there's Essex PR, you know, on yeah. the on the on your television, uh, on most people's televisions now. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, it's really interesting. It's like it's like they're plucked from social media. I don't I mean, know whether yeah, I was going to say I don't know whether this like whether this ever happened to you, but when I was, um, so in like the mid two thousands, when like, you know, MySpace was the thing and I was kind of like somewhat, I, 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 I hung out with like some emos. I wouldn't necessarily say that I was emo, but like, you know, my friends were very much or like they were scene kids. Right. Yeah. And you were emo adjacent. Yeah. It was emo adjacent. That's right. I kind of, well, like, I feel like I wasn't emo because like I didn't, I couldn't like really fit into skinny jeans. Um, so I was like that guy who like wore cargo trousers while everyone was wearing skinny jeans and converses. Right. Um, Yeah. So I was never quite there, but like maybe aspiring to be, but, um, I remember like, so, you know, we, we were kind of like emo scene kids in the suburbs and on like every kind of couple of weekends, you'd like go to Camden town, right? That was like the place to be if you were like a part of that Mm. scene. Um, And you would kind of meet up with other scene kids who like lived in the area and like you would know them by their like MySpace names, right? Yeah. And, you know, and they were like, you know, you knew what their real names were and the fact that they kind of went to adjacent grammar schools and stuff like that, right? Like, but when you saw them, and again, it's like very much that, okay, you exist online, but like when I suddenly confront you in real life, like, that sort of dissonance is kind of hard to process. So I'm going to like refer to you as your sort of MySpace name. And because you're referring to them by their MySpace name, like, and you can, you know, and I think we have a better understanding of this now because more of us, like, it's much more like ingrained into how we kind of understand digital identity in like the real world now. Um, But back then it was very much like, oh no, there are real people. And then there are online people who like you meet sometimes, but they're still going to be their online character because there's a distinction. Whereas now that distinction is like far more vague. And then you end up having like people like Essex PR who are like following the same type of trajectory as, I don't know, the the, the guy that I'm thinking about who was quite famous on MySpace in like Southeast London, Kent was a guy who like I only knew as Connor Corpse. I don't I don't know what his wow. last name was. I was I ju- we just knew him as like oh you're Connor Corpse from MySpace. And I feel like that's where like Essex PR might kind of fit in as well. And I do wonder like when he sort of goes into the TV studios and stuff whether he does have that crisis over like you know am I Adam Brooks or am I Essex PR like what's what's going on? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people go to his pub to like shake his hand and stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's there all the time. So he's like, he has a, a permanent physical presence as well, which, yeah. which ties into it. He he laps up the fame and he's he's a, he's very around. If you want to meet SXPR, you can meet him. You know? Yeah. If you're willing to go to Lauten or wherever. That's another that's another really interesting thing too, because then it's like, so you know, you can sort of imagine the trajectory again being that okay, this is like a guy who, you know, maybe you know, he you know, he he was just like a normal guy who like ran a pub and did like stuff and he had like a Twitter account and like suddenly like some of these tweets go viral and he kind of you know get you get the rush from like all that attention um and you so you keep doing it and you get more and more attention and now it's that thing about okay well yeah he runs his pub but he's also like an influencer and at what point like you know i'm not saying that you, he has to sort of like define himself by one way or another but like that sort of hybrid identity also sort of you know it comes with like these different expectations and i do wonder like well yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 we've, we've sort of seen this play out in different ways with different people. Um, and like the ultimate kind of like question is like how much they sort of play into like, what do they do? Like how, how much are they sort of willing to invest in order to sort of like retain that media personality and celebrity, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Because like, you know, we, we spoke on a previous episode I think from last week when we were talking about like the Wagga for Christie trial about how you had like, you know, in the past you had tabloids that basically kind of like created like certain kinds of celebrities and they would like, especially in Britain where they would be like celebrities for life or like at least professional B-rate celebrities. So they didn't really have to kind of put that much effort into like sort of doing new and novel stuff because they were created by the machine that would keep like perpetuating. And now like in the same way that like, lots of you know in the same way that there are no real there are no like staff journalists so much because everyone's freelancing and everything you kind of have this like different kind of celebrity as well where you know the the system doesn't need to kind of like keep on it doesn't need to keep on like you know uh pushing you into like the public eye because there's like an abundance of people that like know how to play the game so like your question then is like how much are you willing to sort of like play the game in order to retain your relevance yeah, absolutely. Um, there's almost the other thing was they used to remember like oh, who's the woman who wrote the thing for Daily Mail about how hot she was and uh, Susanna Brick, right? <laughs> they, they, they had to sort of almost like the Mail used to do things like to create these sort of like contentious sort of like guest trolls for want of that word. They used to basically sort of pluck them from the like the depths of their um staff writers and stuff like that and just get them to say something silly online and that piece mm. would go viral. There was quite a few pieces like that around that time but now yeah. you can kind of scout them off social media yeah like street cast will be the term they're using the fashion industry yeah. um yeah so that's what he yeah that's what he is he's kind of a uh he's like an organic someone just thought this guy's just got he's got so much like opinion diarrhea that he's absolutely fantastic for you know gb news yeah well it's also just you know and i look i've been i've been approached by gb news a couple of times like to go on their show uh, which number one just shows how like desperate they are to like have people on, but also like how desperate they are to kind of like sort of spark some kind of conflict. Did you say uh, you should say uh, I'm not doing it unless I get a uh, drive time weekly? <laughs> <laughs> we were like, yeah, we'll pay you and we'll give you like a taxi back like to your house and like you know, um, you know, back then I was just like you know before 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 uh, before the beauty of the Elizabeth line, like getting back home was a bit of a bit of a trek. So I was like, yeah. mm, maybe like. Uh, am I willing to humiliate myself on like a barely watched TV station uh, yeah. for a, for a long taxi ride home? Ultimately, I decided not to. But like you know, it was uh, uh, if it wasn't for the intervention of uh, of uh, of a couple of people, like it could have gone the other way. But like yeah, they you know, um, that, that, like I've worked in TV a little bit, and you know, so and you obviously you've experienced this too, where you know when you're sort of working for these types of channels. Um, a lot of the time your job is literally just like scouting for people who will like come on for like five minutes to kind of, you know, be a bit aggro. And uh, like the thing about like something like Twitter, but just like social media generally is that you have this real abundance of people for whom like, you know, and I, I've been thinking about this in relation to like TV and like where, like what the purpose of like TV channels are when you have like YouTube and TikTok and everything. And I think that like, while TV is not necessarily like watched by as many people as like, you know, in the past they used to be, it still sort of occupies this area of like prestige. And, mm. um, you know, so being invited onto a TV channel 
like not only provides a different set of aesthetics, but it also kind of presents a kind of idea of it, it presents the idea that like, you know, you are sort of a you know, you're you're kind of you differentiate from all the other commentators. It's a legitimacy, isn't yeah. it? It's a kind of like um yeah, TV, yeah, there is still that like slight I mean for older people especially, like you know, I, I, some I've had you know family members who anything I've done on TV they're suddenly interested by, even though it's you know the absolute fucking arse end of you know freeview or not even that like anything like that um, becomes like an exciting moment. So there's there's a generational thing, and I think GB News is kind of looking yeah. to tap tap into that by bringing some of these internet figures yeah uh, onto onto the television there's one more there's one final thing i want to say about this guy because i don't want to spend like too long on him but there's this post that like isn't that is this is like more of a generic adam brooks post it so he writes again this was yesterday he posts like a lot um it's fine it's fine not to be a fan of the royals but still enjoy the next few days of festivities you know dot 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 you don't have to try you don't have to try and be this ultra trendy movement follower over everything dot 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 let yourselves go and enjoy a happier britain for a few days um and then like, you know, afterwards he's like, why do you, why do people have create a victim complex over the stupidest of things? Society needs a shakeup. Everyone's getting offended by something or things they don't like. Pathetic. These are like generic sort of GB news commentator things. Yeah. Um, but what's very interesting or what's kind of interesting about them is just like how non-specific they are. Um, and like, you know, these ones, like each of these tweets uh, they got like you know they got more retweets than like his other well his other more specific ones also a lot more likes than the other ones like within the kind of like you know five hundred range. Um, and what I find very interesting about that is like this is like another part of like the strategy of becoming like a kind of TV commentator. It's the idea that like ultimately what you're able to do is that you're very good at farming numbers, and these types of posts are very good at farming numbers because of like how non-specific they are. Yeah. Um, they sort of express a kind of like sentiment. Um, and a sentiment or, you know, among, among certain people who like feel they're kind of like above the, um, yeah, well, they, they, they're very, very engaged in politics, but they also kind of are convinced that they're above it. And I see this a lot when it comes to like, um, commentators who are definitely, who, who are, de who definitely have like more right wing leaning sympathies, but they kind of post like generic psycho, like, you know, that type of like inspirational, like, you know, slideshow stuff. Right. And yeah. it's just very good at farming numbers. It doesn't mean anything. And when you sort of call them up on it, they even never answer or they block you or they just kind of like throw a cry laugh emoji at you or whatever. Um, and it feels like when I look through this guy's like timeline, that's kind of what he's doing. He's, he's like trying to trigger people, um, but in like the most sort of like mundane and base level ways. Yeah. And then he's like supplanting it with... Um, this type of generic, like, oh, you know, I'm kind of on the side of the people. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I'm, I don't really take any position. I'm just kind of like an ordinary guy, even though it's like very clear it's not. Um, but, you know, when you look through his timeline, ultimately, it just feels like it's a very, it, it's just like a very generic. Mm, he's like, a very generic timeline. man. Yeah, yeah. It feels like he's sort of on this cusp, you know, again, and, and a lot of people are like this because again, when like when you have like an oversupply of, commentators everyone sort of hits his plateau where he's going to have to end up making a decision about like what he wants to use his platform for and if he wants to continue posting and continue being like a public figure but he's sort of going to have to go more unhinged than he is um yeah well he had this is the thing he's kind of a bit of a man without a country right now because for so long <laughs> for so long he had he had lockdown you know and he had a sort of like he had a lot of people on him and that and you know he, he actually you know yeah spoke some sense on it as well they kind of he kind of i saw him kind of like because you know he's he did he does actually understand you know the, the licensing mm. industry and stuff like that so he actually did tip up tip over into the kind of mainstream now he's just he's like he's at sea he really doesn't know what to do so yeah, yeah. you're right he's just coming out of these sort of like very very mundane like anti anti-woke sort of stuff and you know prince prince andrew I, you know i'm no fan of the royals but you know let's jubilee let's celebrate that um yeah, just just yeah, like real like you know, black cab driver, man in the pub stuff. Yeah, he's, um, he's trying to catch like a mundane sentiment, and like yeah, but the problem about being doing that online is that like it ba it basically doesn't exist, right? Because yeah. when you're sort of posting online, as we've spoken about like so many times in like various capacities, when you're posting online, like you know, the people who are really going to engage with you, the people who are going to like make your posts like reward your posts by like 
you know, sending them to like extremely online channels. They don't want like the mundane stuff. They want you to kind of be unhinged. They want you to like, you know, they, you know, they, they want you to sort of like express or like be on kind of like the tip of expressing like sentiment for violence. Right. Or they want you to sort of go full conspiratorial. Mm. Um, and at the moment, like, because he's like refraining from doing it, it, he's like his numbers are suffering and he's doing these like low level posts which like are very very funny for a man called Essex PR yeah. uh, not very good PR that's all I'm going to say like if you're doing self PR not not great um, yeah. so... can, I just, uh, can I just drop one more uh, good yeah, so yeah, how much his brain has been rotted by um, Twitter yeah, so basically uh, without getting too much into football basically he's a Tottenham fan and um, Tottenham have been linked to an Italian centre back called, uh, called Bastoni <laughs> <laughs> and um he tweeted saying like he tweeted saying like anyone know much about this bastani guy any good is he <laughs> definitely not autocorrect that's just pure like post brain that's great that's yeah. very good that's very good i, I would have, i would give him that post to retweet if i'd seen it <laughs> uh he should just yeah he should do more stuff like that yeah um okay uh, I think that was fun. Check out Essex PR. Be nice to him if you're going to engage with him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because he, he needs his numbers. Um, okay, so I wanted to like, the second thing I wanted to talk to you about, and uh, um, so you've been doing some really good articles for The Face, uh, mm. which is a very cool magazine. Um, done some very good stuff generally. And there was like one that you wrote recently about your trip to Mexico. Um, like a bit of like your the Clive Martin travel writing, I think is very fun. Yeah. Um, and you touched on, so like, in the piece, you touched on like something that I've been thinking about in a different context, which is about like gyms. So, and like just kind of like uniform aesthetics and how people sort of like relate to space and like just kind of how digital mediation affects the way in which certain people, or like it affects the way in which like a lot of us sort of understand physical environments. And in the free episode this week, um, I talk, well, uh, I speak to the guest about, um, like how that sort of plays out in protests and how like the kind of reclaiming of space, um, you know, uh, doubled up with like digital media, like did like digitally mediated process is necessary for like those types of process to work. We switched it around. Uh, this one's the free. Hussein is referring to the guest for the bonus episode this week. This is not necessarily about protests, it's about like influencer culture, but I think you're touching on something interesting about how even though um we're not like even though you're not saying that everyone has become an influencer we are kind of like using the same logic as influencers so before we sort of go into details why don't you tell us about or why don't you tell listeners about like what the piece was and like yeah what what kind of observations sort of led like you know uh led you to write it so yeah uh basically i was on holiday over easter and uh i went to mexico city for a couple of days and uh then I went to an island, uh, just, uh, it's not really an island, actually, it's kind of a headland, but, you know, it kind of presents itself as an island. Um, and, um, I, you know, I, I, I say in the piece, like, I think like a lot of people these days, I kind of over-research everywhere I go, even, mm. if, it's just, even if it's just a trip to, like, another British city or something. I like, yeah. I, I like, I kind of get a bit obsessed with it and like to know exactly where to go. It's the kind of, like, weird, like, trip advisor brain yeah. uh, tied in with, um, you know, social media stuff. So, I kind of like, I kind of knew there was a bit of a presence of your kind of, um, your kind of amateur influencers or your civilian influencers, people who don't really have the, um, the professionalism. They don't have someone paying them to do it, but they go around posting like influencers and behaving like influencers and going to the kinds of places influencers go, mm. like big influencers go, uh, and the places that seem to be marketed at that aesthetic, uh, that lifestyle. Um, so yeah, and I got to this island, and I I kind of became just like really really fascinated by their um by their habits and their movements. Um, mm. They are just um they they're like they they're real suckers for certain things, um like oat bowls, uh, <laughs> any any kind of like unconventional seating. So like people eating their dinner on a swing. Which to me sounds like absolute hell, like indigestion right. central, right? But they love it. Um, right. What else they like they like sort of like, yeah anything made out of wicker, uh, pastel colours, obviously, which you see a lot in London with um, you know like the Portobello Muse houses. Uh yeah. There's always like some Russian girl with a big hat on standing next to those, take, getting getting photos taken of her by some professional um, sure. for for a channel. Um, so yeah, the pastel colours. Um, there's a cert- there's a couple of certain beach shots they love, which is like hanging your legs off the end of a jetty, um, 
getting a sort of like a beach kimono to flap in the wind perfectly with something I've right, got in the piece. Okay. And I just spent like hours just like watching them yeah. moving around. Because a lot of the places that were meant to be like the places to go were like viciously queued up by them. Yeah. Uh, they, they were like, you know, there was like, it was like such a weird thing to do. Like it's the home with street food to like stand outside for an hour with like a menu in your hand, like some really average brunch joint, like in the really, really hot, like kind of dangerously hot. Yeah. Um, standing there like that as if you were like in the northern quarter or shoreditch or <laughs> right, okay. some sort of like you know montmartre in paris um yeah uh, and just like they really i just noticed they really couldn't leave that life alone and there mm. were just like lots of very faddy things they're into you know like <laughs> like big green drinks um okay yeah like uh frothy coffees and it's kind of slightly infantile sort of like um aesthetic they're all going for which you know obviously people have mentioned before but it was, yeah. it was interesting to see it just like it was interesting to see how many people there were doing that thing mm. it was like me my girlfriend like a couple of like really really constantly pissed americans and like just loads and loads of these people and some yeah. mexicans some, some some natives um and um i just found myself just like really fascinated by their habits and just sort of began to wonder like is this just the way that people kind of tackle the world now? And it's with especially traveling, you know, is this just yeah. like the, the, the standard behavioral, um, yeah, the, the standard behavioral model for a certain, for, for a generation really, because they're all, you know, a bit younger than me. I want to, I want to read a quote, uh, that, uh, from, from the piece before, like I, uh, give you my thoughts on like what you said. Mm. Uh, so you say in the piece, these are the people who look like influencers, dress like influencers, and run their socials very much like influencers. Yet they don't have the follower numbers nor the cash transaction at the other end to really call themselves professionals in that field. You could say that they were amateur influencers, the post-influencers, the influencer disciples, those who have been influenced by the influencers. Um, I thought that was like, yeah, I thought that was like an interesting line um, just because like, yeah, again, like I, I'm thinking about it like aesthetically, but in relation to like what you were saying about is this just the way that people do things? Um, you're like, I mean, I personally don't know in the sense that like I I don't know whether this is just a thing that like young people younger than us do. I, and I don't want this show to just sort of be like two old guys like yelling at clouds. <laughs> yeah. Um, or like, you know, remember remember when there were skateboarders in Shoreditch and now there's all just like pop-up restaurants. Um I don't even think there's pop-up restaurants anymore. I don't know. No. I went, I went, I went to Shoreditch today because I I had like an eye appointment and like I mean, it's it was it's basically just tourist town, but like you can sort of see some of the remnants of what you were saying about like you know tourists who like go to specific spots or like and they're willing to sort of like wait for a long time and they're willing to kind of um, yeah it it, it th- I don't want to say it feels like unnatural tourism, but it kind of like I can under like personally I can sort of understand if you sort of wait for a long time to like go see kind of an old artifact or you're going to a museum or something yeah or, like if it's like a kind of like pop-up um of like a food store or um there's there's like a couple of like um like k-pop like korean places that's that have opened up in central london uh fairly recently and um every time i sort of walk past there it's like it's on tottenham court road somewhere like you just have this like massive queue of like young people who are queuing like and they're queuing for like korean uh corn dogs and like uh kimchi fries and stuff like that and it's just like and you know they there's a there's a specific spot outside of this restaurant where like they take photos right yeah and there's a queue for that spot as well so it's kind of like is this a sort of way of documenting your life right um and i think and i thought that was interesting in relation to like sort of going on holiday because i guess like the assumption is when you're sort of well especially if you're a brit going on holiday but if you're only if you're going on a holiday like you're there to sort of like let your hair down and like in theory you're there to sort of explore and try out new things but it sort of feels like even on holiday, the kind of pressure for curation has expanded to the point where like, it's not just like taking a photo at a specific spot that like you've seen on Instagram and stuff. It's taking a photo at the specific spot that you have seen to like almost replicate it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exactly it. Um, yeah. It, it's, it's this, it's, it's a kind of like, um, you know, those Michelin books, she has a kid, we have to tick things off that you've seen in the car journey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like that. It really is that like, um, <laughs> Do you know about the thing about like big signs, like um, big colorful signs? No, tell me. So a lot of beach towns that um, pretty much every beach town I've been in the last few years, they've got usually got not always colorful, but like a big 
sign like a sort of standing not start sign like a sculpture so like a uh what's the i don't know what the term is but like a sculpture that a sculpture that spells out the name of where you are so like i was right. on a play in mexico I was in a place called holbosch and there's this big holbosch and it's like this big um, sort of not rainbow colored but sort of multicolored um sign yeah that, that is just if, if you um go on the geolocation for that on uh, instagram it, every mm. single person is standing next to this really quite pony sign right and you see it you could choose like there's one in tulum that has exactly the same thing um i'm I'm going to malaga soon and i was looking at malaga and that's got another it's got its own one it's like people standing by this sign and it's not like the eiffel tower it's like you know it's about four feet high and made out of um (laughs) fiberglass it's like really unexciting thing but it's this ticking the boxes and sort of like culture and it's like they all go to this like I, I don't know how these certain establishments i think they're just insta friendly you know like it's yeah. like the certain establishments which are not good you know who who goes to mexico and eats a you know sort of equivalent like a 12 dollar fruit bowl in the home yeah. of like you know huevos rancheros and all that kind of stuff right um it's uh it, yeah it's very strange and um but it's it's it suits the lifestyle it suits the aesthetic and they're, yeah. they're constantly chasing that. So I wanted to ask you about like some of the last part of your sentence where you talk about like post influencers and influencer disciples. They like the impression that like these like there are people who are like acting as if they are influencers, but like it's almost counterintuitive, or it's like it's almost like the definition doesn't make sense because like they're not influencers; they are being influenced. Um, yeah. But if you sort of saw their behavior, it's kind of like okay, like are you doing it? because you're trying to be an influencer. And like, this is where I kind of drew some parallels of like going to a gym. So like, you know, you and I have spoke, spoken about this on DMs, but I go to a gym in like the, you know, the, the Kent suburbs. Um, it's one of those places uh, just outside of Dartford, actually, where it's in one of those places where like there is nothing to do but go to the gym. So like yeah. when you go to the gym, it is very much like a, you know, it acts as like a family center. It acts as a daycare. It acts as a youth club. Um, it basically does everything. Um, but you know, and, uh, because, you know, I'm trying to get hench and stuff. Uh, I spend a lot of time in the weight and like in the weights area mm. and you quite like between your sets, uh, cause I try to like not scroll on my phone. I watch people, uh, and, um, uh, not, not in a creepy way, in a normal <laughs> way. Uh, and only for guys. And you kind of see that like a, there's a similar type of thing as well. Right. Where like, again, there's, there's like a big mirror where you're supposed to sort of like watch and check your form. But like you see like lots of the guys concentrating on like one area of the mirror. And I realized like a few weeks after noticing that I was like, Oh, this is the, uh, this is the part of the mirror where like the light sort of like reflects on it the most. Right. So they're all taking the same, they're all taking like, like their sort of like Instagram or like TikToks and stuff. They're doing it in that corner of the mirror. Um, because that's sort of like what the aesthetic is supposed to look like. And you look at them and you're like, you know, you, you look like someone on Instagram who like has like a few thousand followers and is an influencer. But when you actually go onto Instagram and like, you look at like the geotag and stuff, like they're not, these are people who you can sort of imagine, okay, you you kind of want to be one. Like maybe you're posting this stuff because like you're hoping that some sort of brand will kind of get in contact with you and then that can sort of begin your influencing career. But at the same time, I'm not even sure whether that's true. I just wonder whether it's just like, I wonder whether it's just like, okay, that's just like, it's it's almost this sort of like mimetic process of like, well, you've seen other people do it. Um, You've sort of seen that they kind of get this like instantaneous feedback loop. So you sort of do more of that type of style of posting and it kind of like then um, facilitates this kind of like uniform type of aesthetic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's definitely a lot of that. I think it's also, you know, it's a you have, you know, it's a status symbol. It's a vision of success and health that people have always, you know, tried to present, isn't it? It's a it's a new manifestation of that. It's kind of like um, it's a very half baked thought, but like, I kind of you know like those. What's the eighties version of that? It's like people that like used to really like like maybe like um wash their cars in public and stuff like that. Maybe, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a kind of it's a it's a public display of because Instagram, I suppose, is public, isn't it? It's like it's a public <laughs> display of yeah, success and vitality and and maybe sometimes wealth and fitness and sometimes it's, I mean, often it's also just participation, right? It's just yeah, the idea, yeah. but you're sort of like partaking and like for a lot of these guys, especially in like the area that I'm in and where I mentioned that, like the gym is literally like really the only pl- the only thing you can do in that town until like 
you can, you know, you have a driver's license, you can get out of it. Um, it's very much just like, okay, this is just something you're kind of expected to do when you're like that age. And then like, you know, I think about the article that you wrote about like the holiday thing. I wonder how much of like the fact that we, you, you know, what you've, what you noticed was like sort of the same patterns of like documentation and behavior, whether that is also feeds into the idea of like, well, this is just what's expected of you when you go on holiday. Like, you know, when, you know, you're not number one, you're expected to document it and you're expected to sort of post about it. And then with that comes this pressure of like, no, you have to post about it in a certain way because, well, did you really go on holiday if like you didn't do that? Did you really go on holiday if you didn't like take a specific, like a picture in a specific way with the sign or like eat at the specific like place? Um, you know, and again, like my, I wonder how, I wonder if some of it is also just the idea that, well, if you do do these things, then like, because it's kind of hashtag searchable or like, because it's like reference, you can use a reference term to search for it. Um, you'll get like a lot of likes, right? And you'll get a lot of kind of like people bookmarking it and all that stuff. So you then have like the potential of like an economic reward because if you get a lot of attention, then like, you know, you never know if a brand will slide into your DMs or whether like an opportunity will emerge. You never know if like the people from like first dates or Love Island might be like, might see it and think you're a good fit. Um, yeah. yeah. I, want- I mean, not all these people are that though. You know, some of them are a little bit more, you know, not quite as in, in the same shape, a little bit older little bit you know just a lot more normal you know yeah um so it's, I, you know they, they would be certainly very hopeful if it was just kind of like you know like stars in their eyes moment where they get plucked from obscurity that would be a very sort of i, I just think it's this um it's, it's you know it's very sort of i can't really come up with anything more it's just it seems that's what people do now you know that yeah it really just is like that's how you tackle the world you know, kids, that, kids these days. Back in back in my day, you had you had a Sony CyberShot. You take two hundred photos. Maybe ten of them were like you know lit properly, and you were happy with that. Yeah, now exactly. Uh... <laughs> and um, nobody would ever yeah. see them. The other thing that you mentioned, I don't know if you mentioned the article, or if you mentioned it in the notes in our like notes document, but it was also just the idea of like safety and uh, so, you know, the idea and like with not safety in the sense of like. Um, people are doing it for their own protection, but it's more VI. And, you know, again, it's very much like why you sort of like do um, Google Maps, uh, like, you know, tours before you go to places or, um, you know, even if you're like, you know, I, there's this thing in America, and I don't know whatever happens in the UK, but like in America, um, uh, Zillow searching, where when you're sort of like moving to new neighborhoods and stuff, you kind of like, like you fantasize about going to certain neighborhoods. You like look through kind of like house listings. Um and it's very much like that kind of fantasy of, and like within that, there's like this fantasy of like economic security. And I wonder whether like you kind of think that these, yeah, like, you know, in the same way that you were kind of like looking through Google Maps and TripAdvisor and stuff when, like before you sort of got on your trip um, and then you were sort of noticing that people were uh, like, you know, following like particular patterns and kind of going to the same places. I wonder how much of that is also this kind of desire for safety, security, this idea also that like when you kind of go on your holiday or when you sort of like, and when you're spending that type of money to go on your holiday, um, you kind of like want to make sure that it pays off. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of like choose the safe options and you do like you, you, you've like planned all the places you're going to go to and like you've planned your experiences, I suppose, like well in advance. Yeah, um, which I'm definitely guilty of as well, like to a bit in a slightly more authentic sort of you know, trendy way, which is, you know, it's, it's, that's another thing that people do, which I definitely do. Um, but like, um, yeah, it's definitely a lot of that. I mean, that's interesting because I know I send the piece like, obviously, you know, Mexico is the home of street food and stuff like that. And um, mm. when the when the few occasions you did catch an influencer at one of the, um, you know, sort of like a taco stall or something like that they were first of all documenting it straight away with this kind of oh here goes nothing kind of like (laughs) thing like it was a bungee jump like they were out to do something crazy you know there was a bit of that to it um and then um yeah so there's a bit a lot that going on but yeah there is yeah i think i think a lot of people are still intimidated by travel and maybe in some ways you know these places are just slightly more bougie versions of and of you know the old you know fish and chips yeah. on the cost of our soul kind of thing well, and it's there's just, also yeah and you also have like 
tourist destinations that I recognize that. So there's a sentence, like there's another paragraph. I want to read this out um, before we go, before I go into my point, where you say, perhaps what struck me the most is that influencer isn't really a job description anymore, nor is it something distant and grotesque, confined to a Dubai skyscraper malls and pastel colored Notting Hill muse houses. You can say, you could, you could say it was a subculture, a tribe, but it's also just the standard behavioral model for many international travelers now. Those old cliches about sunburn, karaoke, shagging Spanish waiters, they've perhaps been replaced by the strange, closet, uh, cosseted, hyper-affected way of tackling the world. Um, you've kind of alluded to like that point like several uh, several times like in our conversation. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of, I, I'm thinking about this now just in terms of like risk aversion. And I wondered like how much of the risk aversion is like a monetary thing. I wonder how much of it is like related to COVID and just the like idea of um, after like a period of time where like you at least have the pretense of like much cheaper travel and like much like and greater access to like traveling to different countries. Um, they're suddenly now like, you know, what's reintroduces the idea of like risk and that risk isn't just about like, you know, losing your wallet or like, even getting arrested in Greece or something. It's like, you know, oh, you could kind of like cause another massive health, <laughs> like, you know, you, you, yeah, you could, you could sort of like become a bioweapon, right? Yeah. Unexpectedly. Um, and I guess like as a sub question to that, I wanted to ask you, uh, as someone who has like been to all the lads on tour, like, uh, destinations, do you think that like, this type of like pseudo in or like this kind of like sub influencer culture, this post influencer culture, whatever you want to call it. Do you think that's like also affected like, like the can, like what we would sort of consider to be like the lads holiday? Ah, that's a good question. I'd imagine the lads holiday exists as it was, but very much on its own terms. Like right. that's not the lads holiday is not your holiday for the year. The lads holiday is something you do with your friends and you know, what happens in Magaluf stays in Magaluf kind of thing. <laughs> I think a lot of them probably do actually have that. It's, it's very coupley the, for a start, the, um, the sort of like civilian influencer life, everyone there was a couple. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think the lads holiday is probably a, uh, sort of like a primal escape that does still happen and, uh, probably will, um, find that out when I go to Spain in summer. Um, but like, I mean, you see a lot of like German and Danish lads around these days as well. Very much really, doing, okay, doing what doing what the British guys are doing. Um, I was in Croatia last year, and it was full of like really, really drunk German lads with like shoulder bags on and stuff like that, yeah. kind of dressed like British footballers. Yeah. Um. So that's that. Yeah. So I think yeah, the, the lads of the day I think will always exist. Yeah. Um. I think they're probably more health conscious than they were. There's right, probably yeah. a um. You know, like uh, I imagine places that have got. A, you know, a gym in the villa and stuff like that are probably at a premium. Yeah. Um, I know again, like I overheard in like the gym changing room, like, uh, there was, there were a bunch of lads who were like, they were going to, they were going to go to like Greece to, um, go on like, you know, just conventional lads holiday stuff. But like the impression that I got based on just my eavesdropping was that it was more of like, it sounded more like a wellness retreat. Right. Right. They were like, cause they were like talking about going to, you know, that you're know, like going to the spa and like, um, they, you know, they, they had like sort of, you know, they obviously talk, they all, yeah, as you mentioned, like, yeah, they talked about like going to the gym, right? So like one of them was talking about how, you know, they still won't miss their kind of like back and biceps day. Um, <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? And, you know, so you're right. Like, I definitely think there's like this element of like health consciousness there, but like I was comparing it to the, the people who I went to school with who did, who did go on like, like lads holidays and stuff and like the way that they talked about it was just so different because like so much of it was concentrated on like just getting completely like shit-faced and like you know having sex and like all that stuff and like none of that con like that just didn't appear in this conversation and like again like you know that's it's just this is an anecdote so i don't want to like say that there's been like a kind of like significant cultural change but it definitely does feel that like the kind of purpose of it and less like even this kind of concept as like a rite of passage um, has seemingly changed in a, and become, if it, it feels like it's sort of become a little bit more sterile. And then what yeah. I was going to ask you, and I, I completely forgot until now, like the question I was going to ask was like about tourist destinations that kind of like facilitate or at least kind of advance this type of approach to travel. So like, I think Dubai is a very good example in the sense for like, you know, over the past decade, they've basically developed into like a tourist mega world where everything is kind of like very flashy and bright and like perfectly designed for like the grid. Um, but it's also like incredibly sterile and controlled, right? To the point where as they've sort of built this like fun fair for tourists, they've also like with it, they've also built like a much 
more heavily concentrated police state where if you do break any of the rules, like, you know, you will get like sent to prison, right? And that's very much more about like the control element of it. And um, I wonder if there are like other places. I feel like Mexico is a place where I think a lot of people seem to be going again, uh, mm. I like just like anecdotally. And I wonder whether like part of that is just because like whether like Mexico City has just sort of been aware of this and have like done more to sort of cater towards a certain kind of tourist. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess like the overarching question then is like, you know, every country like has a tourism board and obviously like they want to incentivize tourism, but is the kind of purpose of a tourism board now to like focus on a very specific set of tourists, ones who like have specific expectations and like the expectations that things should be like kind of go as smoothly and perfectly as possible. And they're catered to because they often tend to be like the more wealthy tourists or like the ones who like are like will kind of be economically beneficial. Yeah. I mean, definitely there's an element of, um, those people, their money is certainly a lot greener than people who are going to go out and uh, drink 15 Jager bombs, you know, <laughs> order a pizza to the hotel, like puke in the pool. They're, they probably, you end up probably losing lose money cleaning up after them. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely that. You know, people who are going to be basically playing massive markup prices for very average things are, uh, yeah, certainly, certainly very welcome in a lot of places around the world. Mm. Um, Dubai is a fascinating one because I think that the, I was, I've never been, but the central, it seems like to me, the central appeal of Dubai seems to be like moderately wealthy people because it's not cheap to go there. Um, no. uh, moderately wealthy people kind of playing at being billionaires. Yeah. Like it allows you to like live the billionaire lifestyle for a couple of days. You know, it's all like, you know, obviously like the mega buildings and stuff like that, but it's, it's jet skis. It's, I mean, you can do stuff like get a helicopter there, can't you? For like relatively affordably and it's yeah. like yeah it's like it's like um a sort of like step into the shoes of a billionaire for the day kind my, of thing my understanding of it based on like people i know who have gone is that like their sort of core demo like are two people like the one first of all the ones that you've mentioned like people who are not kind of like super wealthy but they have like you know they'll sort of go to dubai for a few days and like it'll be the kind of holiday that they really look forward to and like you know save up for and everything and it will just be like a full kind of like full ride experience where you do everything from like, you know, uh, have dinner on like on the top of a skyscraper to like jet skiing and all that stuff. And like Mm. you do it and because like Dubai is so sort of like packed and concentrated, it means that you can have all these experiences in a very short period of time. Right. Um, and like relatively cheaply compared to other places, um, especially like in Europe. And then they also cater towards like very bougie Muslims. Um, for whom like, this is very much like, oh, like, you know, going to Vegas, but like, it's all kind of like within, within Islamic rules. Like, I don't know. It depends on like how, what, how kind of like religious you are, but you know, it's a place where like you can sort of be somewhat practicing and kind of still enjoy the sort of luxuries that you wouldn't be able to like in, you know, yeah. In your like Las Vegas or, you know, Los Angeles, like LA, LA is not a good like comparison, but you, you know, yeah. you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Um, um a lot of uh, Muslim footballers go there. Yeah. And, um, I, I tell you who lives there is, uh, Yusuf Islam, formerly Cat Stevens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it is very much like Muslim Wakanda. Yeah, uh, in some ways. <laughs> uh, my yeah, my partner and I like were sort of like we we've never spoken about like moving to Dubai. I don't think she'd ever want to do that. Um, but like I do tease her sometimes about like yeah, you know, um, uh, maybe, uh, yeah, we we can kind of like live the oh, what's that film? Um, Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can like live the Crazy Rich Asians lifestyle in Dubai. Amazing. Uh, to which is like a complete nightmare for her. So she's just like, yeah, never joke about that. But I think <laughs> that's very much, but actually, I think that is like actually very much what they're going for. I think Dubai wants to sort of be like Singapore for like, kind of like the diaspora Muslims, like Muslims who have money and are like our professionals and like, are just like sick of being in the West and everything. That's like another conversation. But... I mean, like the step up from that though is um, MBS's, super city that he's building oh yeah the one that's like it's like a straight line or like the the the, the, the neon city that's like a straight line yeah it's uh, like, which it's is like the, truly insane it's just in, like in the middle of the desert it's just like just like it's like it's like exactly like basically las vegas was built exactly the same way it was in the middle of a desert and they've just popped yeah. up this kind of yeah yeah well look i'm in talks with uh with gb news to open up an office in uh in in, 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 <laughs> in saudi in saudi in, in Riyadh. so like yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, see, we'll, we'll see we'll see how that goes okay I, i'm conscious that like we don't have too much time we don't have too much time left. So like, I guess there's like a way of kind of wrapping up. Um, yeah, I sort of wanted to, wanted to like talk a little bit um, 
just more like towards like your can kind of like conclusions from the article and also how it relates to some of like the other things that you've written for the face. So like you wrote a piece, I think a couple of months ago about like the influencer aesthetic moving into the country um, and like how that sort of like, and the, like, the, and the like locals responses to that. And it was making me think a lot about like people moving to Margate and just like other parts of Kent. Um, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of like London kind of like hipsters and so like, hipsters isn't the right word, but like lots of kind of like, um, London people who would kind of, <laughs> or like have lived in like Hackney and Stoke Newington. Oh yeah. I mean, Margate, like, yeah. yeah, but are now moving to Margate, uh, Ramsgate. Um, none of them are moving to Dartford or like, you know, <laughs> any, like, that, that's a, yeah, yeah. No, none, none of them want to live by the bridge apparently. Yeah. Um, but you know, they'll, they'll get there. They'll get there eventually. Um, yeah, but like how that sort of aesthetic is sort of moving around, and like I, I wonder, I, I wanted to like ask your thoughts about like was the way in which these guys are like entering the countryside. Do you kind of think that like it's a similar trajectory in terms of um, how they kind of interact with the environment? Like, was it the case that like maybe over the lockdown they were looking at like places in the countryside or like further afield and romanticizing, um, romanticizing it based on like you know trolls on Google Maps and stuff, and when they sort of arrive. Uh, like they, they either find there's a completely different experience or like the digital, the digitally like mediated kind of fantasy that they had formulated came in kind of confrontation with like locals, uh, which I think you allude to in that piece as well. Yeah. I mean, like, well, if you're going to look at the, you know, the sort of the people in the, I encountered the Mexican island, they're sort of like, uh, they're sort of major influences being the Kardashians say at the top of the tree. And really the people that I was talking about the other piece, which is kind of about like basically like sort of trendy new parents moving to the countryside, kind of a lot exacerbated by lockdown. Um, right. Then that's pure like broadsheet lifestyle section. You know, it's uh, the, the, the Guardian is full of every, it's full of stories about people that moved to the country and loved it. People that's moved to the country and didn't love it. Uh, 15 coastal resorts uh, around Britain that you could move mm. to, you know, kind of thing. It's this kind of like, it's just like real like manifesting um sort of dream going on for, for them um yeah yeah i see i see it all the time i see like um you know because I, I live in the town which is a uh it's a student town in the southwest of england uh in the right at the bottom of southwest england so i'm sure you can work it out if you uh, do the geography i won't be too explicit but like yeah. <laughs> um like but it's full of like workwear trendy ex-hackney people with like kids that wear sort of like clothes that kind of look like hand-me-downs but aren't you know they the kids have all got long hair um they are very very molly coddled uh the, the people are obsessed with art, artisanal goods they're obsessed with house prices they're kind of like they're kind of the greater broccoli like existence kind of migrated to the coast you know, yeah. and, and you, you see that everywhere. You see it in Margate. You see it uh, where I am. You see it in um, Hastings. You see it in, you know, there's, I'm sure there's new ones that have popped up. And it's like, there's all these sort of like, um, yeah, it, it's rural gentrification, essentially. It's coastal gentrification, really. Um, yeah. Because, uh, you know, these seaside towns are quite small, generally. And you can, they're full of old property that's, you know, not really being looked after that well. So they're kind of, you know, it's this dream that people have about, you know, selling the, uh, the flat in London fields and, um, eating freshly baked sourdough every day and i see it every, <laughs> I, but, but actually it's like this is actually where i live is actually a very normal place where people yeah are from people work it's a working town it's not as um uh it's not as probably like lifestyle geared as some places are so yeah. you, you just kind of you see it sometimes you see like i see like kids like running into fishermen in pubs and i see like um people being sort of constantly um slightly disappointed by the level of service in some places right. and you know like and and um also just realizing mm -hmm. how far away they are and stuff yeah. like that and, and not being able to get their creature comforts and and, and stuff like that so it's um yeah I, I just see a kind of um a sense of alienation creeping into some of the people that probably weren't quite prepared for the move you know yeah the people were obsessed with it I lived, I lived in a state agent on my road and every day i walk past it and there's just like another couple usually on holiday from london gazing like longingly into the window going like oh maybe if we maybe if we did this we could maybe live that dream kind of thing and yeah. it's like i kind of want to say to them it's like do you really want to do it or do you love the idea of it you know yeah and i guess yeah. like that's kind of like at the key of a lot of 
your web web for sort of like interaction with like the digital and also just like the influencer aesthetic and like yeah just like the kind of like the imitation of the influencer sort of comes through this like very abstract search for comfort and Mm. I, i don't even know if stability is the right term but like um you know yeah i get like comfort is probably like the better one and um you know kind of realizing when you're sort of like within proximity to it that like maybe it wasn't kind of all that it was cracked up to be or crucially like you just weren't like you know other parts of like your interior life don't kind of accommodate that type of like sort of fantasy and again like it's it's like the same type of fantasy that like leads me to like doing like walkthroughs of like you know various neighborhoods of new york like you know when i'm feeling a bit like down yeah. which is that like is, these are nice fancies to sort of like retreat to and like the kind of the sort of expansion of the influencer model sort of makes that feel more accessible um but because of that kind of like perceived accessibility it makes it more difficult to yeah it, you you kind of like it, it you're less likely to sort of like ask questions to yourself about like is this something that i really want to do or like is there sort of something else at play yeah absolutely yeah so yeah yeah i don't know man i mean like maybe it'll change when like they do end up like moving like to like towards my way in northwest kent right well, that could be uh, interesting you could get a is <laughs> they've gone about as far they've gone literally as far at the end of kent as you can go so maybe yeah. there's a kind of ingr- inverse migration taking people towards the london borders you know maybe i mean like so i've been thinking a lot just about like how crossrail is sort of gonna like or how the elizabeth line is going to change things because so the place that i live i've lived here for a few years and i lived here i grew up around here so um you know for a while it was just like oh you'll kind of like live in the arse end of like you know southeast london with like a kent postcode and like you know um yeah there was and, and it was just that place that like no one really sort of considered i think it was like also a few years ago voted like the worst place to live in southeast london uh, just because like not because of like crime or anything like that but just literally because it was like yeah there's nothing to do there's like a big sainsbury's and like a park that like is just filled with dog shit all the time and like now for fast forward a few years and it's like oh this is like one of the most desirable neighborhoods because it's like ripe for gentrification right and it's like oh it's like within proximity to so many good schools and all that stuff so i'm really fascinated because i i do think that like yeah as as this kind of particular area becomes more and more pricey, but people still want proximity to like that type of infrastructure, um, <clears throat> you know, neighboring towns like, you know, Dartford and Orpington and all those places, yeah. um, like your kind of classic kind of like identity, like lacking of identity suburbs, you know, I reckon we'll see, I'll, I'll be seeing like, you know, popping up of more kind of like coffee shops that would look more in place in like, you know, in East London than in Kent and, yeah, I, I reckon like something, something along that line, something along those lines will kind of emerge fairly soon. Um, yeah, you need like it needs a um, a catalyst. You know, there'll be, it'll be one coffee shop, it'd be one bakery, it'll be something like that. Yeah, you know, one restaurant, and it, that and things really do spread from that. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, look, I've seen I've seen one sign which is uh, the train station uh, has a now has a bookshelf and a piano. Oh wow! So yeah, that's like the first domino, I think, and like soon we're gonna. I reckon we'll probably get like a Pret or a Leon, and then that's kind of just when. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's when it's just gonna become untouchable. So. Start, start the Guardian. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like my backup plan. Yeah, that's right. My backup plan then is like, yeah, open up, open up like one of those generic coffee places that like have all these sort of like Instagram aesthetics, you know, like the white marble floors and like you know the pastel sofas and all that stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. Invite, you... inv- yeah, invite some of like the local gym people to like you know take photos. Yeah, 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 yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that we are kind of like running close to time, so uh, we better wrap up. Um, and uh, on that note, I think because it is like ten thirty p.m. and like uh, when we started the podcast, Clive was already in the dark, but now it's like almost. I can bear. I can only see his white t-shirt on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's like bedtime for like both of us. Um, yeah, so Clive, thank you so much for coming on, joining us again, and uh, having this really fascinating conversation about your holiday. Um, <laughs> uh, if you if if people want more Clive, how can they? Uh, how can they do that? Oh, uh, yeah, the, I've got a uh, yeah Twitter thug Clive. Uh, I've got a Patreon called Clive Minds Hit Me Jerk, which. Uh, you know, it's not the uh, it's not the most regularly. You know, I, I do my I do my bit, but like, uh, yeah, I, I try my best. I'm not I'm not a professional podcast, but I mean, this is a bit of fun. Um, 
what else uh yeah i've got more pieces coming out for the face and uh, a couple of other things and yeah you might see some of my uh anonymous copywriting one day yeah uh, yeah. it'll it'll be the stuff it'll be the stuff that doesn't sound like LinkedIn copy and you can thank him by uh, banging your pot outside of your door on Thursday <laughs> at 10 p.m. Your neighbors will your na- your neighbors will be fine with it. And on that note, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you for so much for subscribing to this episode too. We really appreciate it. If you subscribe to just this episode, just uh, just to hear Clive, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at 10K Postpod. Uh, you can follow me at H Kazvani. You can follow Phoebe at PRH Roy. And you can also follow Devin who produces the show, Devin underscore on earth. You can listen to their podcast, Kill James Bond, uh, which is very, very good. And uh, you should listen to it along with everything else that we do. Um, until next time, we'll catch you later. Have a good one. Bye. Yeah.